Welcome back to the Spirits Guide Podcast. I am Rich, your guide through the intoxicating spirits world. And on this episode, I'm tasting a whole bunch of samples. Now, I've decided starting next week, we're going to kind of shelf the Monday night sample size for a little bit. Um, just to kind of switch things up. And starting next week, we're going to be doing uh, a segment that's going to launch on Tuesdays instead called Tuesday Night Fights. And basically what I'm going to be doing with that segment is finding two whiskeys that are kind of similar to each other and seeing who does it better. Or uh, for the first episode, I'm actually going to taste my Elijah Craig single barrel store pick against somebody else's elijah craig single barrel store pick both at barrel proof just kind of see who did it better uh, so we're going to do that in the future we're going to do lock stock and barrel 20 against alberta premium cask strength rye so things like that um whether it's the same product but two different store picks or things that are just sort of similar that are comparable to see you know who does it better um so in sort of recognition of that and in sort of kind of commemoration of putting down the Monday night sample size for a little bit, I had a whole bunch of incredible samples that all of you guys out there have, you know, stopped by the store, dropped off to me, shared with me. And I can't say enough how much I appreciate the fact that, you know, you guys are out there and you're hunting and you're tracking down these bottles and you're spending your hard earned cash on them. And then somewhere in your brain, you go like, you know what? I got to get a sample of this over to rich. I think he'd enjoy it. Or I'm curious as to what he thinks. I can't tell you how much that means to me that, you know, I can be a part of that journey with you and you guys are a part of this journey with me. It's so incredible. So on this episode, uh, I taste through, it ended up being nine different whiskeys. I had to record this over a couple of days because the week before I recorded this, I had a little bit of eye surgery and then ended up with a scratched cornea, which is an absolutely miserable experience. So in the first segment, uh, you hear me sniffling a lot. It's not that I had a cold. It's not that it affected my sense of smell. But because of the scratch cornea, it caused my nose to run a lot. It's an absolutely miserable experience. So I kind of paused it, came back a day later, um, actually two days later, to record the rest of the segments. It turned out that I tasted a lot of great whiskeys, and then it capped with you know, something just incredibly special. So hope you guys like it. Um, it'll be sort of the last singular well not even really singular but the last sort of collection of sample size until we get into more of a comparative tasting next week for again tuesday night fights uh looking forward to to bringing that to you guys as well uh but this was this gave me a chance to kind of catch up a lot of the samples because you know you guys do stop by and go like hey i haven't heard that yet or, or you know when's it coming up so it got that sort of out there um it got me kind of caught up on a lot of the samples that I had really backed up. So, yeah. Hope you guys enjoy it. And if you're digging what's happening here, and it seems like you guys are because there are more and more people listening every week, 
you know, I'm seeing the stats. I'm loving it. Uh, it makes me feel good and it keeps me inspired to keep going and pushing and looking for sort of new and fun and creative things to do here. Uh, if you like what we're doing, go to the podcast page on Spotify, follow this, uh, the podcast, give it a rating. And what that does is when other people are looking for similar podcasts, it helps to populate their searches. We can just put more people on this journey with us. Um, follow on Instagram and on Facebook as the Spirits Guide. You'll get updates on you know what I'm drinking, where I'm going, uh, cool people in the industry that I'm hanging out with, uh, books that I'm reading, music that I'm listening to, all the things that are not only spiritual in the alcohol side of it, but the other things that I'm doing while I'm you know, enjoying these spirits. If you have an idea for a show, if you have a sample, you're curious of my opinion. Uh, if there's something I've tasted here that you'd like to try, I'll do my best to get a sample to you. Um, if you want to come and hang out and be part of the podcast, if you want to do episodes with me, or hey, if you want to audition to be a permanent co-host, I'm still looking for one of those. Uh, you can email me at thespiritsguide89 at gmail.com. All this information will be in the show notes as well. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. It was a lot of fun to make. It sounds a little miserable in the beginning, but gets a lot more fun as it goes along. Um, yeah, look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, enjoy. Cheers. All right, so yeah, here we are. Uh, it really is kind of hard to believe that this is going to be episode 10 of the full episodes that I have recorded. Uh, I apologize if I sound a little off as I do some of these tastings, as I am coming off a pretty uh, pretty drastic eye procedure a few days ago. Uh, it's affected my sinuses, so I got a little bit of a runny nose, but I should be able to to grind this out because I'm a professional and this is what I do. Um, so what I had kind of promised uh, a lot of you guys was that, you know, I have this almost embarrassment of riches of you guys are so great. And and I guess just let me dial it back even, even further, you know, a couple weeks ago, you know, I did that, the back-to-back -back episodes on, Everything that upsets me and bothers me about the state of bourbon right now, as far as status bottles and the way, you know, releases are held back and, and these things become trophies and, and hunted. I, I want to get rid of that negativity for this episode and really talk about the things that I truly love and enjoy about, you know, our community. Uh, I mentioned it on the Black Tot sample size episode earlier this week. The fact that, you know, there's this sort of community, almost family of of whiskey drinkers and spirits drinkers uh, that I get to be a part of who, you know, get their hands on some of these rare bottles or just some of their favorite bottles. Sometimes they're not even that rare. It's just something that, you know, you guys have bought, you know, and thought like, this is my favorite bourbon or rye or Irish whiskey, and I'm going to bring a sample to Rich because I want to share it with him. It means the world. And it, it, you know, it just, it's the positive side of the spirit world that we live in. And I have 
you know, I'm, I'm sitting in front of probably eight or nine unbelievable, or at least what I anticipate being unbelievable samples. And I'm not sure how many are going to make it into this episode, which ones I'm going to do in which order. If you guys could see the studio set up, uh, the microphone is in front of me. There's a table to the left of me with all these samples. The labels are all facing the other way. So I don't know what it is that I'm going to pick. Uh, but I do anticipate them all being incredible. Uh, so I guess we'll get right into it. And the first one that I have picked. Oh, interesting. So the first sample that I picked is Redbreast uh, PX Finish Irish Whiskey. Uh, it's funny because just a few weeks ago, I was with my new friend Simon and we actually get to taste the Red Breast 27, which was outrageous. So I know this is a yearly kind of limited release. I don't know if they'll do the PX again. I know uh, a few years back they did the Lustau Sherry Finish. Here's what I can tell you. And again, sample size on like a typical sample size Monday. We're not doing too deep of a dive, but there is a little bit of info here. Uh, this is a 20-year whiskey from what my research has shown me. Uh, it is 92 proof, aged in bourbon barrels, then Oloroso barrels, and then finished for 12 to 22 months in Lustau Dom PX or Pedro Jimenez barrels, which is a very sweet, rich, and viscous sherry. Right away in the nose, this smells amazing. This came from my friend Jason. Thank you very much, Jay. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the eyes in the nose are all connected. So while my eye is healing, my nose is running. I don't really have a cold or anything. I'm not really stuffed. It's just as the the eye injury is, is kind of healing up, the nose is deciding to be obnoxious with it. Uh, I mentioned it on Monday night's sample size, you know, Corey and I have always done this three-tiered rating system of is it good, is it worth the money, does the bottle start a conversation on your bar? I also want to institute the grading system of is this a taster, a sipper, or a drinker? And a taster is something like there's a lot of things I taste that I'm really happy I taste. I find that they're interesting, they're complex, they're unique. I don't necessarily want to sit around and sip them, though, Uh Bacta being the, the example that I go back to. Uh, a sipper is something though, that you might actually go out, invest in the bottle, pour yourself a glass, sip on while you're reading a book, and then you put that bottle back in the cabinet because either it's a really high proof or it's a really special bottle, but you're not getting after it you know, with that bottle. And then a drinker is something that you're going to crack and you're going to maybe drink two or three drinks or, you know, Anything from Old Crow could be a drinker that you're drinking Old Crow and diets all night or, you know, just an old granddad bottled in bond that you're going to pour yourself three or four glasses of and sip on as the night goes on. So we're going to have the three tiered rating system and the three tiered grading system. Now, the color on this, exactly what you'd expect, you know, golden hues, straw, honey kind of color. I've seen the packaging on it. Uh, it just looks like a really nice upgraded packaging of regular red breast. 
Um, Price-wise, I've seen it online anywhere from 100 to 200 to 300 I think MSRP was right around 100 bucks. All right, let's give it a taste. It's pretty tasty. It's got a nice viscosity. Um, there's kind of a... Not quite a full Dom PX. You know, a little bit of nuttiness, a little bit of that sort of darker sherry note. It's got like a molasses sweetness, uh, which really isn't sweet. It's really good. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's not... I mean, when I tasted the the 27, which is obviously a different beast, I was kind of blown away, and I thought, like, wow, that's amazing. This is really good. I, I don't know, you know, for the price tag that I've seen of that 250 online, I don't know if it's 250 good. It, it's good. It's not great. It's not mind-blowingly good. It's really nice. So, you know, on the three tier, is it good? Yeah, it's good. It's really good. You can tell it's really well made. I wish that the PX had lent some different flavors to it. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Uh, is it worth the money? At 100 bucks, yeah, I think it's worth the money. Again, for the aging that has gone through, absolutely. Anything over than that, I think it's a stretch, to be honest. Uh, does the bottle starter conversation? Of course it does. I mean, Redbreast is great packaging. Uh, and anybody who knows what this is, they're going to want to ask you about it, and they're going to want to try it. So it's definitely going to start some dialogue. In the grading system, I'm going to put this as a sipper. Um, it's a, a great taster. I'm glad I tasted it. It's interesting. I don't know how overly complex it is, but it's interesting. It's good. Um, I would definitely pour this in a glass, crack open a book, sit down and read for a little bit. Um, I don't know if this is something for 100 bucks a bottle that I'm going to get after and drink two or three of them in the course of a night, uh, just based on the price point. So, yeah, it meets all three on the three-tiered rating system. It's a sipper on the the kind of drinking grade all right one down next sample that we're gonna get into what do we got no i'm gonna cheat and put that one back i'm gonna go with this one and only because i'm really interested in tasting this I think I actually tasted this once before a while back. This is one that's got a really interesting story to me. It is the Blue Note Juke Joint. And this is uncut, straight bourbon. Um, in, in I forget what they call the, the barrels. Uh, and, you know, per me, I took a whole bunch of notes on all these things, even though we don't do too deep of a dive. 
I do like to throw a little bit of story time with Rich into every tasting. I don't know if I can actually see through the fog in my eye. Uh, Blue Note Juke Joint. This is bottled, this particular single barrel, at 118.7 proof. So 59.35% alcohol. What I love about this, 40 bucks MSRP. What I don't love is we don't seem to be able to find it in Massachusetts yet. Uh, mash bill, 70% corn, 21% rye, 9% malted barley. And sort of the story of this is there was a warehouse that was housing all of their whiskey, which the best as my reach research shows uh, is either coming out of Bardstown Bourbon Company or Castle and Key. And then I guess some of their later stuff was also maybe coming out of Tennessee. But as best as I can figure out, this particular barrel was either from Bardstown or Castle and Key. They had a warehouse where they were aging their stuff. You know, that was obviously somebody else made it. They bring it back. They're aging it themselves. It's produced uh, very, you know, got to watch those words on the bottles where it says like uh, bottled by, produced by instead of distilled by. So this is produced in Memphis, Tennessee, minimum of three years. And the story goes that the warehouse where these barrels were aging collapsed. And they weren't able to save all the barrels, but some of these barrels were left out and kind of sunbaked and got rained on and got kind of weather conditioned. And they were able to salvage some of these barrels. This is one of those barrels. Now on the nose... I mean, it smells like, it smells like bourbon, you know, it's got great caramel notes. It's also got like some banana and plantain notes in there. Pretty good color for, you know, a three-year-old bourbon. And I know I've tasted one of these offerings. I don't know exactly if it was this offering um, but let's get into it. Now, it's got a little bit of kind of peanutty flavor. And I had read that they were getting some of their whiskey from Tennessee as well. So I might have my dates wrong. Uh, this could be from later bottlings. It does have a hint of some of that George Dickel kind of spicy peanut butter flavor to it that I get, which some people get Flintstones vitamins. I don't fully understand that. Not overly complex, but really, really solid. Um, yeah, again, sort of great notes, that peanut flavor, that caramel flavor, a little bit of toasted coconut. A little bit of toasty oak, not overly oaky. Uh, for 118, it doesn't really drink like 118. And so here's my thoughts. Three-tiered rating system. If you've seen this bottle, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, bright blue label, so it definitely pops on the shelf. Is it good? Yes, this is good. Is it worth the money? All my research shows that MSRP on this is like 40 bucks. Is it worth the money? Hell yeah, at 40 bucks, if you can get something that's 118, yeah, 
all day long. This is worth the money. Does the bottle starter conversation in your bar? Of course it does. It's very cool. It's bright blue. It pops. Um, and the fact that it's not available in Massachusetts, you know, if I had this bottle on my bar and you came to my house, I would expect you to ask what it is. On the grading system, whether it's a taster, a sipper, or a drinker, I'm going to cut right to the chase. This is a drinker. I know it's a little bit higher in proof, but I would sit down and have two or three of these, mostly because it doesn't drink like it's that high in proof. It's really easy to drink. It's got enough going on where it's going to keep me engaged the more I drink. But it's also, you know, it's more than a taster. Uh, it's more than a sipper. This this is a drinker by and far. Uh, this is from my friend Peter Thomas, um, whom I miss dearly. Uh, he's, you know, been suffering all winter down in in Florida, just grinding out all that awful sunshine and always seems inappropriately dressed in like shorts for winter months. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, my, my partner in crime. Uh, thank you very much for this, Peter. All right. We'll tack on one more for this segment and then we'll take a, a quick little break as I fish through. I, I feel like I'm putting my hand into a, a raffle ticket bowl over here. You know what? I know what I'm going to go after. I have a few here, but there's one in particular I'm looking for. And this is Garo. This was a sample provided to me by my friend Leo, who... Uh, you know, what's great about all of these people uh, out there, what I, I really love about kind of the whiskey community is that, you know, three years ago, four years ago, none of these people were in my universe. You know, I spoke about it with, with Peter Thomas when we did the Bob Marley episode, you know, that, that four years ago, these people weren't in my universe and there was Peter Thomas in my home, in my studio, drinking rum with me, having dinner at my table. And that really is the beauty of, of spirits, of how it can just, you know, as much as this whole trophy hunting thing has become a, a dividing element to us, it's also become a thing that has brought us together. It's, you know, people have asked me recently, you know, like, like I said on the, the State of Bourbon episodes of, you know, what do I think of the State of Bourbon? To me, it's it's very Dickens-esque. It is the best of times, and it is the worst of times. You know, it's it's the worst of times because all these whiskeys that, you know, and I talk to people who are legit whiskey drinkers who were drinking Weller 10 years ago because they loved it. And they were drinking, you know, Eagle Rare for the last five or six years. Uh, they were on Buffalo Trace from the moment it hit the market, you know, Blanton's, uh, things like that. And now they can't get their favorite whiskey. And that contrasts with the people who have never actually had any of those things, but always claim that it's their favorite whiskey, you know, and they're looking for it as a status symbol. You know, so for kind of the innocent people who were on the bourbon bandwagon, as it were, before it became a bandwagon thing, 
It's the worst of times for them because they fell in love with those whiskeys and they can't get them anymore. It's the best of times because there's just so many great offerings out there, you know, beyond what you know, Buffalo Trace, the hype machine is putting out and beyond even the great whiskeys coming out of Jim Beam and the great whiskeys coming out of Heaven Hill and the great whiskeys coming out of Brown Foreman, you know, let alone the specialty releases that are coming out of these places that are, you know, they can be mind blowingly good. You know, we're talking about whiskeys from Pinhook. We're talking about the emergence of something like a Rebel 100, um, whiskeys like Redwood Empire, whiskeys that are coming out of St. George, the emergence of American single malt whiskeys, uh, brands that are coming out. There's just, there's a lot of really great offerings out there. Um, that if you, you dig a little deeper, you can find some true gems like a juke joint. Um, yeah, find me another whiskey at 40 bucks. It's 118 proof. That's as good as that. You know, not everything needs to be a unicorn that has 52 layers of complexity. It's whiskey. It just needs to be good enough for you to enjoy with your friends. There's so many great options out there. Um, you know, the stuff coming out of Smooth Ambler, Corsair, Chattanooga, brands that I've talked about before. It really is sort of the best of times for whiskey drinkers, you know, as well as being the worst of times because, you know, some of these status bottles have turned us into hunters and, and kind of greedy people. So with all that, we're on to Guerrero. Like how I rolled my R there? Not bad. I took two years of Spanish in high school. Um, so Guerrero is from Dave Finney. And if you're not familiar with who Dave Finney is, if you're in the wine world, Dave Finney is the guy who created The Prisoner, uh, which is like a top steakhouse blend. He then sold it off, couldn't compete or make any other wine for a few years. During that downtime, he started kind of doing a whiskey program out there. And he's sourcing a lot of whiskey, bringing it out to California and aging it. So here's my stats on Guerrero. Uh, it's a 17-year-old bourbon. It's bottled at 108 proof. Uh, there was only 900 cases made. Dave Finney kind of worked in the vineyards, and he was the only white guy on an all-Mexican crew. So Guerrero means light-skinned. It was the nickname that they gave to him. Now, the mash bill on this, 84, 8, and 8. If you don't know what that means, I'll tell you, and please remember this. 84, 8, and 8, to me, is as significant as 95, 5. 95, 5, MGP, Indiana Rye, which I do believe now is the official guidelines for Indiana Rye. 95% Rye, 5% malted barley. 84, 8, and 8, that's George Dickel. George Dickel is 84 corn, 8 barley, 8 rye. It's funny when I met the people from uh, Uncle Nearest, and they said, we can't tell you where we get our whiskey from. But what I can tell you is the mash bill is 84 corn. And I went, 8 and 8? They were like, yeah, how'd you know? And I went, that's George Dickel. And they were like, oh, we can't tell you that. And I was like, yeah, well, that's George Dickel's signature mash bill. It might be. Well, it is. So... 84, 8, and 8, 
I'm going to say with about 99% certainty that this whiskey is coming out of Dickel. It's 17-year-old bourbon. What's interesting about Dickel is they don't have these five, six, seven-story rickhouses. They're all one story. So they kind of mature. All their barrels kind of mature at the same rate. No higher or lower angel share. But this is a 17-year-old bourbon. On the color spectrum, little brownish golden amber. It's got a little reddish hue to it. Again, 900 cases of this made, which makes sense because, you know, how much 17-year-old bourbon is sitting in that warehouse. I can't imagine that there's a lot. All right, let's get into it. All right, so when Leo gave this to me, he said, I'm curious as to what you'll think about this. And I don't know if that meant he liked it or he didn't like it. I got the impression that he thought it was a little kind of quirky. Um, I will tell you upon tasting immediately, the first thing I recognized is this is George Dickel. Without a doubt, this is Dickel juice. It tastes like 17-year-old Dickel juice. I love it. Uh, George Dickel, Bottled and Bond, George Dickel, Barrel Select. Those whiskeys are favorites of mine. I know they're not favorites of everybody. It's kind of a polarizing thing. Um, I actually met a customer in the store once, you know, maybe a year or two ago. And we were talking about Tennessee whiskey and how hard it was for me to sell Tennessee whiskey here. And his words were, I opened a whiskey bar in Tennessee, and I had a hard time selling Tennessee whiskey. People, open your minds. Be kind of accepting to what great whiskey can present. Um, because, no, this is not your Kentucky bourbon. This is not your typical caramel, vanilla, butterscotch, toasted coconut, cherries. Uh, it's none of that. It's spicy peanuts it's it's jiff it's but there's a, a texture to this whiskey too there's a great viscosity but there's almost like a like a granular texture almost almost like tannic very very cool uh i like this a lot this is definitely in my wheelhouse now three-tiered rating system is it good Absolutely. This is 17-year-old Dickel uh, that Dave Finney, who, you know, we kind of joke about in the wine business, but the guy is a genius when it comes to finishing and using wine barrels and, and the manipulation of barrels. He's brilliant there. Is it good? Absolutely. Is it worth the money? That's where it gets a little dicey to me. Uh, everything I've seen, 230 to 250 online. I don't know if that's secondary market, uh, where that market is. If you go by kind of the standard of $10 a year, you know, which is kind of what we, we all kind of purchase on, this should be $175, maybe $180, maybe topping out at $200 if a store wants to make a couple extra bucks. And believe me, I don't begrudge them that. Uh, but $230, $250. That's a bit much 
for even 17-year-old Dickel. Uh, I think the Orphan Barrel Dickel was like 90 bucks a couple years ago, and that was pretty fantastic as well. I will say it doesn't drink 108, but still. Um, on the grading system, is it a, a taster? Yeah, it's a taster. I'm glad I tasted it. It's delicious. Is it a sipper? Honestly, this is so easy to drink. I'm going to skip the sipper. This is a drinker. Uh, unfortunately, the price <laughs> kind of brings it back to being a sipper. But if I could have got this for less money, I would just tear through this in a night. Uh, but because of the money, yeah, it's probably just a taster. Um, but overall, a uh, very delicious whiskey uh, that I like a lot. So thank you again, uh, Leo, for sharing that with me. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back into some more samples. I've got things like, and I don't know which ones I'll get to, like I said, but I've got some Lock, Stock, and Barrel 20 years, some Wild Turkey 17-year Bottled and Bond, Sagamore Double Rye, Rock Hill Farms, uh, Starlight, and maybe one or two more uh, surprises. So. Uh, check back with you in a second. All right. So I am back. Uh, actually a day has transpired since the first half of this. Uh, obviously I sound a little bit better. Um, my eye procedure that I went through is, is healing up a little bit, uh, I'm at least at the point where my nose is not running like crazy anymore. Uh, getting a little bit back to normal. So a day has actually transpired since I recorded the first three sample tastings. And in that day, a lot of a lot of really cool stuff has happened uh, that is going to play out in the future. You know, when I kind of started this episode, this is going to be episode number 10 of the full length episodes. And I thought like, you know, maybe this is a good time to cut it and take a break. And then the last couple of days have happened and they've just been amazing. Uh, I got to spend a bit of time with Jeff Duckhorn from Redwood Empire, who is the master distiller who filled me in and all kinds of info. And we are going to do a podcast episode in the future, in the very near future. Uh, so that inspires me to keep going. Uh, I just set up a meeting to get to hang out and pick the brain of Brian Nation, um, who is my new friend, Simon, who is uh, follow him at Dope Drams on Instagram. Cool dude. He is the global whiskey ambassador for Pernod Ricard. And we were just talking about Brian Nation as kind of, you know, the goat of Irish whiskey. This is the guy who was responsible for Jameson, Redbreast, all the spots, the green spot, yellow spot, you know, blue spot. Um, yeah, the Redbreast whiskeys, everything kind of coming out of that Middleton distillery. He was a part of and he's now in Minneapolis starting up a new distillery here in America. So I'm looking forward to picking his brain, and making a podcast episode out of that. So, you know, my thoughts of, of shutting this down after 10 episodes, 
Apparently the gods are working against me and want me to keep going. So hopefully you guys dig it and keep supporting and keep listening and we can grow this thing even more uh, with more special content. That being said, back to the episode and the reason that we are here um, carrying on with just, uh, you know, sample after sample because you guys have been so incredible to me uh, that you've given me so many great samples that it would take me forever if I just did them once a week. So we're going to just do a bunch of them. Now, we've already done in the first half, we've done Red Breast in the PX finish. We've done the Blue Note Juke Joint Uncut Single Barrel, and we've done the Guerrero. Uh, so now on to maybe the three that I was most excited about, and I know I picked the first three at random, uh, but these three I am picking intentionally because I really want to get into these three, uh, and I don't want to wait and pick them at random because I had a set amount that I was going to do, and I want to make sure that these three get in in the least. All right, so the first one, I don't know where to start, what the order is going to be on this. I guess I'll save that one for last. Um, you guys are going, which one? Uh, you'll find out when we get to it last. So the first one I'm going to do, this was a sample provided to me by my friend Jason, um, who is always bringing me amazing things to try. And I guess I'm going to decide which glass. Uh, usually in front of me, I keep my Norlands glass. I keep a Glen Cairn. I keep a wider mouth Glen Cairn sort of shaped glass. If you guys follow on Instagram, I use that a lot in my pictures. And then I have my uh, Russell's Reserve sort of mini rocks glass, old fashioned glass kind of thing. For this one, I think I'm going to use the Glen Cairn. And this whiskey here is the Sagamore Double Oak Rye. Now, what intrigues me about this is, you know, I've tasted a lot of whiskey. Uh, Jason has tasted a lot of whiskey. Uh, you know, his friend Sean, who's become friends of mine, uh, he drinks a lot of whiskey. So between just the three of us, we've tasted a lot of whiskey. So... You know, whenever I say like, oh, this is my favorite, those guys always come to me and go like, wow, it must be good if out of everything you've tasted, that's your favorite. What intrigues me about this is when Jason brought this to me, he said, this is my favorite rye. So I'm very intrigued because we've tried everything from, you know, Redwood Empire rye uh, to High Plains rye uh, to just, you know, Michter's rye. There are so many great ryes that we've tried to come out and say, like, this is my favorite. That intrigues me. So, again, sample size, we're not going too, too deep, but here's what I do know. It's MGP juice, and it's a blend of both of their rye mash bills, one being the 51% rye, barely legal, and then the other being their 95.5 rye. It's four to five years old, depending on which barrels that are used in the blend. And then it's finished in toasted barrels for another 18 months. So technically, this is like almost a seven-year rye, which oddly enough is not 
typical to see rise that old. It's bottled at 96.6 proof, so 48.3. Kind of the sweet spot for where we want to be uh, with a whiskey like this. And on the shelf, it's around the $50 range. You know, uh, when we get into the rating system, it's a pretty diesel bottle. Um, it's kind of that sort of wide, a little bit wider, tall, almost flat bottle. But instead of being flat across the front, it actually comes out to a point. Make a, a hell of a murder weapon for sure. Like it's just it's diesel. It's got a very thick glass base. I believe Sagamore is a, a distillery started by the people who started Under Armour as well. So there's definitely a little bit of money into this project. Yeah, on the nose, you know, I'm getting some of the oak. I'm getting some of that toasted barrel has a, a definite smell. You know, um, when I've had like Elijah Craig toasted barrel or Mictor's toasted barrel, there's just a different sort of oak aroma that comes with it. And this is definitely, definitely there. Color-wise... Beautiful, kind of deep golden brown. You know, and this is definitely one that is opening up the longer I have it sitting in the Glen Cairn. And the reason I went with the Glen Cairn is it's under 100 proof. Uh, so I want to focus more of the aromas. I'm not worried so much about the ethanol really kind of barreling up through the mouth of that glass. Proof is in the glass. Let's get into it. Yeah, I can see that. It's it's pretty stellar. You know, the oak is really big. And it's got some of the uh, maybe softer caramel maybe even butterscotch notes from that toasted oak. You know, the rye spice is there, but it's really well integrated with the wood. You know, sometimes those MGP rye, and I know, you know, they make a ton of that 95.5, and everybody is buying that MGP rye. And, you know, they have some taste variations, even though they all kind of start out as the same mash bill. And what's kind of typical of that MGP rye is those very green notes. Uh, some people pick up like dill on it, uh, which for some people is kind of the breaking point. Either they like them or they don't because of that dill. I always get a lot of that sort of green. I don't quite get dill, but definitely some sort of green herbs and maybe even some spearmint on there. What's great about this is it really does integrate into the oak so like that double oak takes away a lot of that green element of an mgp rye and leaves you with more of the spice notes you know and i've said this before if i see it on the bottle i want it to deliver in the glass so when you see this bottle and it, again it's a pretty for lack of a better term, it's a pretty masculine bottle. Like it's, it's big, it's bold. It looks bigger than a 750 on the shelf, you know, and that double Oak is really prevalent on there. And that double Oak really comes through in the same way 
say a Woodford double oak or an old forest in 1910 double oak comes through. It's oak on top of oak, but it's not that raw wood. Um, it's not that sort of Calumet 15 aged toasty wood. It's just solid backbone. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's a very masculine uh, flavor profile. That's, that's a beast. Yeah, I like that a lot. I can definitely see why Jay would think that that is his favorite uh, rye. Not going to get any arguments there. So sticking with the rye theme, this is another sample from my friend Leo, who really does share kind of my passion for finding the rare, the hard to find, the obscure. And, and again, you know, a lot of guys are on the bourbon kick and that's fantastic. You know what you like. You're in that zone. You're in that rabbit hole. But again, and I, I gets repetitive, I, you know, but it really is true. When I talk to, you know, friends like Jay or Sean or my friend, Mike Connell, uh, and that he provided me the next sample or Leo, or, you know, even working with Corey or, you know, my brother, the BSO, like it's not just bourbon, it's rye, it's Canadian rye. It's also rum and tequila and scotch and Japanese whiskey. It's, it's looking for what's different and interesting to drink and not staying pigeonholed in that sort of bourbon kind of world. We all love our bourbons, but there's also more to whiskey and to life than that. So this one here, again, from Leo. Uh, this is one that I was actually looking for for a long time. I tried to order it from my store. Couldn't get any. It's super, super limited. Um, but this is the Lock, Stock, and Barrel 20-Year Rye. Now, for this one, I selected the New Orleans glass. I want that wider mouth. I also want that sort of barrier between my hand and the glass that the New Orleans provides, being that double glass, you know. So it keeps the heat of my hands away from the spirit, which means I'm not actually heating up the alcohol. And by having that wider mouth, some of those ethanol kind of esters will come out without burning your nose. And by the way, guys, you shouldn't actually stick your nose into the glass of whiskey and breathe in through your nose. This is how I was trained when I went down and did my executive bourbon, Stuart, is to get your nose in the glass, but have your mouth underneath the glass. And when you inhale through your mouth, you will pick up the aromas in your nose. So when you get into something like this, that's 112 proof, you don't want to be just kind of sniffing that through your nose because the ethanol, the alcohol vapors are going to burn your nasal passages to the point where you're not really going to get a good uh, kind of aroma of, of what's in the glass. So Lock, Stock and Barrel, this is sourced Canadian whiskey, uh, Cooper Spirits. Uh, Richard Cooper is kind of a descendant of the Jacquin family. Uh, for those of you old enough to remember Jacquin or Jacquin uh, cordials. So you used to see like some Jacquin creme de mint and creme de cocoa and cherry brandy and things like that. Um, so kind of from him, Richard Cooper, who's kind of the head of this. He's the guy who started St. Germain, uh, which is an elder flower liqueur. Uh, 
This is sourced from Alberta Premium. So it's the same juice that went into, you know, last year's Alberta Premium Cash Strength Rye. Only this one is 20 years old and bottled at 112 to 100% rye. They're using a 3.5 char on the barrel, and there are only 3,000 bottles of this in existence, um, and even less than that open. Thank you again, Leo, for, again, going on the hunt, spending your hard-earned money, and then taking you know a sample of it to share with me. Again, very much appreciated. Let's see what we got here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's got the kind of color you would expect from being in a barrel for 20 years. And the difference is, is when you're in a barrel in Canada for 20 years, you're not getting that extreme heat. You're not getting that extreme humidity. So the aging process is a little bit more mellow. Uh, it's almost like, you know, if you cook chicken at 200 degrees for an hour, as opposed to, you know, in Louisville, you might be cooking it at... 400 degrees for 20 minutes. Now that doesn't translate to these people who in the U S are using like five gallon barrels and trying to cook their chicken at 600 degrees for five minutes and thinking that they're getting an equally good product. It doesn't really work like that. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the, the translation on the nose, soft rye spice, all right, let's get in. All right. So it's good. It's really, really interesting. That rye spice is there. I'm actually getting a bit of what almost feels like wood tannins, which doesn't surprise me for 20 years in oak. At some point, I would like to, you know, I'm going to hold on to a little bit of this sample. I don't want to use it all. And I'd like to do a side-by-side -side with the Alberta Premium cash strength and just see how close they are because they're kind of the same juice. I mean, they are the same juice. Just one is 20 years different. I like this a lot. Um, and let's go back to the Sagamore for a second and kind of recap. Is that one good? Absolutely. Is it worth the price? It's right around 50, maybe 55, between 48 and 55. So is it worth the price? It absolutely is. Does the bottle start a conversation? Without a doubt. Because um, it's just such a diesel bottle and the color scheme really stands out. On the grading system, is it a taster, a sipper, or a drinker? It's a sipper borderline drinker. Um, you know, I might pour a glass of that and move on to something, but it's still 96. So it might be a night where I pour two glasses of that or three glasses of that if I'm starting to get deep into a book. So that one is a taster slash drinker. I mean, sipper slash drinker. This one here, is it good? Absolutely, it's good. Is it worth the money? I've seen it 300 and up online. And I get what you're paying for is the fact that there's only 3,000 bottles. It's very, very limited. Dare I say, taste the Alberta premium cask strength 
for 90 bucks. And what I would say is if you couldn't get your hands on this, you can do just as well. A little bit, a touch more heat, obviously, because you're getting more proof points. But a pretty similar drinking experience. Um, does the bottle start a conversation? Without a doubt. Um, so on that system, I'd say this is like two and a half out of three. Um, is it worth the money? It's worth the money because it's rare. And if somebody's willing to pay it, it's definitely worth the money. But again, if you can't get this, go get yourself a, a bottle of the Alberta premium cask at 133 or 136 proof. I think you'd be just as happy and you might be able to blind taste them and, you know, be okay with, with whichever one you choose. As far as, is it a, a taster, a sipper, or a drinker? It's definitely a taster because it's something I've wanted to taste for a long time to see how good it is. Is it a sipper? It is. Um, it's also one of those ones that for me personally, when I pay that kind of money for something, it it becomes this weird thing of, you know, you pour a glass, you enjoy it, but you're almost afraid to pour the second glass. And I talk to other friends of mine who, you know, they have really nice bottles and then they get down to the bottom and they kind of get that, oh, oh shit, like this is about to run out. So it, it, to me, it's one of those bottles where you're almost afraid to drink it when you own it because you know you'll never, ever replace this. Is it a drinker? Absolutely not. It's not something you're going to sit down and knock back all night, not only for the proof point, but for the fact that it's irreplaceable. So to me, it's a taster, borderline sipper. Um, that being said, if I had three to $500, I might kind of invest in something other. Um, but it's a great bottle. And thank you again, Leo, uh, for sharing that. And then the last one, I mentioned my friend, Mike Connell. And all of these people that I mentioned in all of these samples really do represent everything that I love about the spirits community, you know, and I mentioned it earlier of the things that kind of annoyed me that I ranted and rambled about, you know, on those two episodes in the state of bourbon, but really all of these people and all of you guys who are out there listening, whether it's Peter or Mike or Jay or Sean or Leo or Jeremy or, you know, TJ, Kevin Rhoda, uh, Craig Dooley, all these people who either comment on our videos for Watch Use at Wine and Spares or listen to us here on the Spirits Guide. And so many of you guys out there, you know, this is what I love about it. And what is great about it is as much as those trophy hunters drive people apart, for the people who get it and the great humans that we get to meet in our, you know, our kind of endeavors here in, in my business, you know, the great part of my job is getting to meet all of you guys and talk to you guys, us sharing these things and bringing us closer together as a community and as humans is absolutely without a doubt. The thing I love the most about what it is I do in this kind of whiskey world and spirits world that we are in. So that being said, without getting all mushy, gushy and sentimental, blah, blah, blah. The last one that I'm, I'm trying here, and this is one from a couple years ago, 
This is the Wild Turkey from their Master's Keep series. This is the 17-year Bottled and Bond release. So, Bottled and Bond, and I'm a huge, huge nut um, when it comes to Bottled and Bond. means it was made by one distiller in one distilling season. So, a lot of whiskeys, you know, they might have multiple distillers, uh, you know, they have multiple, you know, some brands, Old Forester doesn't all come out of one distillery. Some of it comes from the distillery in Louisville. Some of it comes from the distillery uh, out, and I think it's Shively. You know, they make it in different spots. Bottled and Bond can only come from one distiller. One distiller, one distilling season, uh, aged in a government-supervised warehouse for a minimum of four years. It can be more than that but it can't be less um, and bottled at exactly 100 proof. So what does that mean? It means all the whiskey was either made between January and June of that year or July and December of that year. It is the most you know, consistent, pure form of whiskey in our business. And this is the Wild Turkey. This came out a couple of years ago. A couple hundred bucks on the shelf. Wild Turkey has one mash bill for all their bourbons, 75 corn, 13 rye, 12% malted barley. Uh, they are famous for going to barrel at a lower proof. You know, in bourbon, you can distill it up to 160 proof, but you have to water it down. And 125 proof is the max you can go into a barrel at. Uh, 17 years before this was made, they might still have been going in at 103 as their proof point. Depending on where you are in the warehouse, sometimes the proof goes up, sometimes the proof goes down. Um, but either way, you can add water to get it bottled right at 100 proof. All right. Let's get in. Wow. That is flawless wild turkey. 100 proof is the exact proof point I want that at. It's got all that spice. It's got all that caramel notes. Rich, deep, concentrated flavor. You know, from that lower barrel proof entry. That is, that is simply gorgeous. It's elegant. Man, it's just, it's rich. It's palate coating. There's sort of a, a sweet caramel in there. Uh, you know, like if you made caramel at home and then threw some red peppercorns in there, that's what it tastes like. The oak, surprisingly, is not overbearing for 17. It's not tannic. It's the perfect integration of, you know, toasty oak, alcohol at the right spot. Wow, that is just, that is unbelievable. That is one of the best things I have tasted for bourbon in a long, long time. Um, is it good? My goodness, is that good? Uh, is it worth the money? Again, things are only worth what you're willing to pay for them. But find me another 17-year bottled and bond in the marketplace. I don't know that I've seen one that old. Uh, 
if you can get one now, obviously you're paying secondary pricing, but if you can get somewhere close to MSRP, which is in that $200 range, I know, you know, good pricing is $10 a year, but it's still bottled in bond. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's worth the money. Uh, does the bottle starter conversation? Absolutely. Because all those masters keep packages are just gorgeous in their box in the presentation you know it opens up twofold from side to side the bottle is presented in there beautifully you know sort of embossed glass the raised turkey off the everything about the packaging is stellar this is a three out of three on that rating scale on the grader is it a taster hell yeah it's a taster i would taste that all day every day is it a sipper dangerously enough yeah it's a sipper easily is it a drinker this is where it gets frightening for this because it's 17 years old. It costs a lot of money, but at a hundred proof, you could lose yourself in this whiskey really, really quickly. And that could go from sipper to drinker on a night with a good cigar and a great friend in a hurry. And it could just turn into that scene from pirates of the Caribbean. But why is the wild turkey gone? It, it could very, very easily go that way. I would fight to keep it a sipper, but that could easily get out of hand to become a drinker. Without warning, you could just look up and that bottle could be gone. That is fantastic. All right, so that's six samples down. And I think... Eh, hell, I'm going to take a quick break, get some water... Take a little walk around, take a breather, and then come back and do two more samples, and then I'll wrap it from there. Just because I've got three or four more samples in front of me, so why not? Uh, one more quick break. I'll be back with you guys in a minute. All right, we are back for part three of this sort of, I wouldn't say sample size. It's a sizable amount of samples, and I've got a couple more that I'm going to taste through uh, as we wrap up here. The first one that I'm going to get into in this sort of last set of tastings, I actually came across this one uh, in my cabinet because, you know, during COVID, we were getting a lot of samples exchanged back and forth. Uh, my great friend Joe Calvito um, used to come up from Rhode Island a lot and brought me a whole bunch of stuff that I you know, would peck at one at a time. And sometimes things just kind of get lost in the shuffle in the back of your cabinet, which is it's a game that's fun to me to play. You know, sometimes I'll go through my my collection and my shelves and realize that there's a bottle in the back that I completely forgot that I had. And I pull it out and I remember why I bought it in the first place. And sometimes you come across stuff in the back of the, <laughs> the shelves. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember why I dumped that in the back corner. So, um, But this is one that I don't know that I ever tasted. And it's, yes, it's part of the Buffalo Trace collection. This is Rock Hill Farms. So what we've got here, Rock Hill Farms. This is 
it's not Buffalo Trace antique collection, but it's in those sort of scarce, uh, you know, Rock Hill Farms, Elmer T. Lee, which I think I just read is now being slated for like antique collection sort of status. Um, but things like Hancock Reserve. Um, yeah, some of those kind of quirky one-off things that I feel like I see once every couple of years. The Rock Hill Farms bottle, by the way, kind of looks like the Caribou Crossing bottle, which is basically like a Canadian Blantons uh, that people go bonkers for. So there's another one in that sort of Buffalo Trace Sazerac rare limited release uh, selections. In fact, the first time I saw Rock Hill Farms, which was maybe a year or two ago when we got our fall allocation, I thought that they had actually changed the package on Caribou Crossing. It looks that similar. It's kind of a, it's almost a, a short square bottle, but the top is kind of rounded corners. Um, but whereas Caribou Crossing kind of has a lot of blue tones to it, the Rock Hill Farms has a lot of red tones. Uh, here's what we've got. It's a hundred proof bottling. It is, you know, MSRP, I've seen it online anywhere from 60 to 400. I think MSRP is around 60, but it's incredibly difficult to find. I've seen one or two bottles in the six years uh, that I've been kind of being the gatekeeper at my store for, for whiskey releases. It is the, it's mash bill number two for Buffalo Trace, which is kind of the mash bill for all the single barrel releases, uh, most notably Blanton's. Uh, I think Hancock's is also mash bill number two. 100 proof. Rumored to be eight to ten years old. Uh, other than that, if you guys know anything about Buffalo Trace, you know that they are incredibly mysterious and they're not very forthcoming with their information. Yeah, I mean, on the nose, it smells... You know, a little bit of oak. It smells kind of like a maybe oakier Blanton's. All right, let's get into it. So, little caramel, little peanuty. Actually, a lot kind of peanuty as it comes on. The oak is more toasty. I guess I'm going to use Blanton's as my sort of barometer here. So, yeah, a little bit more toasty than Blanton's. It's a little bit more of everything Blanton's. I don't... And any of you guys who know me know that, you know, I think Blanton's is a really good whiskey for 45 bucks. If you're paying more than that, it's just not. I'll give it 50 bucks because of the current state of inflated prices and, you know, cost of goods going up. But I don't think it's mind-blowingly good. Um, and I know a lot of people out there. And, hey, if it's your favorite whiskey, that's great. Uh, if you love this, that's great. You know, you know what you like. For me, you know... When people say, like, oh, Blanton's is a great sipper, you know, it just goes down really easy, or Eagle Rare goes down really easy. I don't always want my whiskey to go down really 
easy. I want it to be a little bit more complex. I want it to almost have a speed bump as it hits the back of your palate of like, all right, I got, I got to figure this out. This, I shouldn't be able to drink it like water. Um, it, it's got some interesting notes. I don't find this to be overly complex. It's very nice. It's very easy to drink. It's tasty. I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't find it to be mind-blowingly good for, you know, a four to six hundred dollar secondary bottle. It's a pretty bottle, but I let's get right into the rating system. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. It's a really good whiskey. You can tell it's really well made, perfectly balanced. It's hundred proof. It's kind of the sweet spot. It's good. Um, is it worth the money? If I could get this for sixty bucks, yeah, this is worth the money. Hundred bucks, maybe, just because of the rarity. But even so, you know, you know, as Bill Belichick always says, the greatest ability is availability. It's for what it's got going on in the proof point. I feel like I don't know. 1910 is a more interesting whiskey. Uh, Old Forest in 1920 is a more interesting whiskey. Just a little bit more complexity, a little bit more proof point, far more available and lower price point. So for 60 bucks, yeah, it's it's a really good whiskey. Um, does the bottle start a conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. The packaging on this is spot on. It's, yeah, it's a great looking bottle. And it, it, it's the one thing you can really give Buffalo Trace is their packaging is spot on with everything they do. You know, from the simple stuff like Sazerac Rye, which I think that bottle is fantastic. I love Buffalo Trace, the bottle. You know, obviously the packaging on Blanton's is probably more impressive than the product on the inside. Um, you know, E.H. Taylor, those packages are great. I love the Elmer T. Lee package. I love the style and the elegance of the BTAC packaging. They are spot on with all their bottles. So it's, you know, depending on what you can get it for, yeah, it kind of hits three out of three. On the grading system, is this a taster? Yeah, it's a taster. Absolutely. I'm glad I get to taste it. I enjoy tasting it. Is this a sipper? Sure. I would pour this and sip this while reading a book. Um, is it a drinker? I actually think it could be because it, kind of goes down really smooth and really easy and yeah i could see sitting down and knocking back a whole bunch of these but then again if you've paid you paid four six hundred dollars seven hundred dollars for this bottle i you know it's not a drinker at that point because now it's just a trophy and a collectible and what's great is i appreciate the community that you know, I don't want to say I built it's it's a community that's come together of incredible human beings that I have been blessed enough to meet and have come across the path of my life. Um, so I love this sample for the fact that, you know, we're sharing these things back and forth. But going back to the things that bother me about whiskey, like this is just a really good whiskey in a really great bottle that is 
been made to be very, very limited and rare, and, and suddenly it becomes more than than what it is. Um, so is it a drinker? At 60 bucks, yeah, it's a drinker. At $400, it is not. It's just a trophy that's going to sit there, and you can show it off to your friends. But I think you can get better whiskeys uh, for <laughs> A hundred, two hundred, four hundred, six hundred. All right, moving on. And you know, like I, I, I know it sounds like I, I'm kind of down on these whiskeys. Sometimes, like they're good. It's just that you know, the hype machine that gets created for a lot of these Buffalo Trace releases. I don't think anything can live up to it. Um, the hunters and the collectors that drive these prices up and make these things seem like, you know, that they're liquid gold kind of corrupt that. But the whiskeys are good, without a doubt. Buffalo Trace makes great product. These guys know what they're do- doing. Harlan Wheatley is, you know, he's great. I don't know why he gets turned on by vodka, but... And why they make everybody else buy his vodka to get his whiskey. That's a weird thing as well. But all right, moving on past the obligatory Buffalo Trace offering. I'm pretty excited about this one. And I think, I think that this is from my friend Peter Thomas, uh, who's just about done suffering the winter in Florida. This is from Starlight Distillery, and I have a couple of different samples from Starlight uh, that I've gotten from different people, so that's why I'm not sure exactly. Um, This is either one that was given to me by Peter or by Jason. I'm judging by the handwriting. It's crazy that you guys are so amazing and you've shared so many samples that I can kind of tell everybody's handwriting at this point, Uh, but I think this is Peter Thomas's. So Starlight, um, Hubert's uh, Winery. This is a single barrel offering from the New England Whiskey Lovers. This is their barrel pick. It's Hubert's Straight Bourbon bottled at 115.4. Here's what I can tell you about Starlight. Uh, The Hubert's Winery has been around since the early 1900s. They started farming in 1930. Uh, They're in Indiana. So they were a working farm for a long time. You know, then they started distilling and they make, you know, because they're growing apples and other fruits, uh, you know, they have orchards and and farms and all kinds of stuff. So they're making brandies. They're also making gins. They're making cordials. They probably make a vodka because everybody makes a vodka. So, you know, they're making all kinds of spirits. And because they were a long-standing farm and they had some money, they could actually afford to lay some stuff down. I don't know what the mash bill is on this. I do know that they use a couple of different mash bills. They have a couple of master distillers there. Um, they have a three-grain mash bill that is 60-20-20. And then they have a four-grain mash bill that is 51% corn, Uh, 20% rye, 20% barley, and 9% wheat. Now, this being a single barrel, um, those are the two mash bills that are used in their regular bourbon. This being a single barrel, I'm not sure which mash 
that is. Again, this is bottled at 115.4. Let's get after it. The color on this, uh, kind of that hay, golden yellow, kind of golden raisin kind of color. You know, by this point in the tasting too, I'm not switching glasses too much. I'm just kind of pouring this like I would drink, uh, you know, on a normal whiskey night. I have my my fancy Russell's Reserve kind of rocks glasses. So they're a little bit wider mouth, so I'm not getting as many focused aromas, but that's not against the whiskey. It's just that, you know, there's more kind of airspace for those those aromas to kind of breathe through. We'll get right into tasting. Now that, that's interesting. There are layers of flavor there. There's toasty oak. There's spice, but then there's some vanilla sweetness. You know, there's some kind of caramel, but then there's some stone fruit of like apricot. Yeah. Almost like a like a peach nectarine, that kind of stone fruit. Um but big toasty oak, you know, uh, I don't even want to say heat, but you know, there's a little bit of tingle on the tongue from the alcohol, but it's not, it's not ethanol driven. It's not really like a burn. It just sort of kind of lets you know, like, Hey, this is one fifteen. Uh, don't play around too much with it. Uh, price point wise, I've seen this, you know, this is not something that's available in mass yet. Uh, so I'm, you know, kind of doing some Google search stuff here. I found it priced anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks. I'm going to lean towards the higher end just because this is a single barrel kind of pick. I, I've got to say this is it's really good. It's fantastic. Um, Three tiered rating system. Is it good? Yes. Is it worth the money? I, depending on where in between that 50 and 100 uh, price point you, you land on, it could be worth it. I don't I don't know for 100 bucks, you know, 100 bucks a bottle to me is something you buy once, you sip, you savor, and when it's gone, you never buy again. This is something that I would like to buy, drink, and buy another bottle of. But I don't know that I would do that if it was a hundred bucks. Um, just kind of being comparable to other whiskeys that you can get in that sort of proof point. And by the way, uh, what this almost reminds me of is something like a pin hook with that proof point and the complexity of flavors. And I feel like that's a brand of whiskey nobody is talking about. You know, it's it gets some good press, but I don't I don't see people coming in the store looking for it, and they really really should. It's absolutely amazing, and you can get that for fifty bucks in the barrel proof version of the bourbon or the rye. 
all day, every day. Like, those whiskeys are amazing for 50 bucks. So pound for pound, I put this right with a pin hook barrel proof, either the barrel proof bourbon or the barrel proof rye. Uh, at a hundred bucks, I would take the pin hook over this, but I, I find it to be on the same quality scale, um, the same, you know, level of complexity in the whiskey. I don't know how old this is, but, you know, some of these younger distilleries, a lot of times, uh, you know, like the, the oak is very woody. Uh, Peter refers to them as shiny. Uh, the BSO refers to them as wood water. I refer to them as like raw wood or wet wood. This doesn't have any of that. So either they've kind of got their act together, they're using the right amount of barrels, uh, the right barrel size, and, you know, the right amount of char. Yeah, no, they've got it figured out. This is just fantastic. So is it good? Yes. Is it worth the money? Depends on what you pay for it. Does the bottle start a conversation? Absolutely. Um, Google the bottle image. It's a very, very cool bottle. Uh, and it's the kind of thing that if somebody sees on your bar, they're going to ask what it is. Uh, is it a, a taster? Yeah, it's a taster. I love the fact that I get to taste this. Thank you so much for that. Um, is it a sipper? I mean, at 115, it's definitely a sipper. Um, is it a drinker? At 115, probably not. This is something that I would pour a glass of. Maybe have a second glass and then move on to something a little bit lighter um, just because of the proof point. But flavor wise, it's got drinkability that I would sip on this all night. I just know that that's probably not the wisest <laughs> proposition um, to go with. Whew. All right. We've tasted a lot of spirits. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm looking at my little timer here. I got a little bit of time left. Uh, I appreciate anybody who's sticking around this long and entertaining and indulging my, my, I don't know, my drinking here, but I've got one more. I didn't really do any research on it. Uh, so I can only share what it is that I know about this. This is a sample that was provided to me by my friend, Sean. Uh, thank you so much for this. This is guess the perfect way to cap because as much as i love my bourbon and as much as i love my spirits to me scotch is just the elegance the refinement the beauty you know bourbon is big and bold and masculine scotch is elegant and feminine i say it all the time bourbon to me is like cabernet in the wine world scotch is like pinot noir it's just finesse it's sexy it's yeah it's everything to me and when i get together with my best friend my best friend murph uh as much bourbon as i drink him and i exclusively almost exclusively drink scotch so to me this is sort of the style and elegance to go out on for this episode of the podcast and again thank you guys so much for sticking around to the end of this uh I will be very curious as to your feedback and comments and what your thoughts are on what my thoughts were on the things you guys have shared with me. 
And, you know, I, I also want to reiterate, like, just because I say something is good or I don't think it's good for me doesn't mean it is good or it isn't good. That's just my opinion. Now, if you figure out like, hey, I typically like what he likes, then maybe you can fall in line and it encourages you to give something a try. Maybe, you know, a lot of times I'll taste things and especially in the wine world, I was never a fan of, say, like a big oaky Chardonnay or a big buttery Chardonnay. But there's a reason in my world I taste everything so that I can know what it tastes like. So when customers would come in and go like, hey, I like a big, oaky, buttery Chardonnay, I would go like, well, this is the one I hate the most. You're going to love it because just because it's not my flavor profile, I know what it tastes like. And when I know what my customers are looking for, I can refer them. So sometimes it's a point. Sometimes it's a counterpoint. So. All I'm saying is go out and taste things for yourself. Get on the journey. Discover these things. There's so much amazing whiskey and then beyond whiskey, other spirits to taste. Um, But decide for yourself. If I can be a guide for you, that's all I want. Um, If I can inspire you to go step out of your comfort zone and try something that maybe you're going to find out like, hey, I never thought I would like that, but I do. You know, I've done my job. And that's, again, that's all I want. Right away on the nose, I mean, this just smells amazing. So McAllen Rare Cask, uh, I believe they do a release of this every year. It is scotch that has been aged in sherry barrels, which is kind of the signature of McAllen. Some of them are European oak, and some of them are American oak that are usually, for this particular blending, first fill. What does that mean? It means that sherry barrels, you know, they take an an American oak barrel. It's never been used. It's a brand new barrel. They send it to Spain. They fill it up with sherry. They use it once and then they send it to Scotland to age scotch in. So it still gets all that great sherry flavor, but it still retains some of the sort of oak flavor because it hasn't been saturated um, with sherry. Because in Spain, they can use those barrels over and over and over again until they're not yielding any wood notes anymore. It's just all sherry notes. So you're getting a little bit of both of those notes here. Quite honestly, I don't know the proof point. And I guess in the end, this proves that, you know what, if it's good, sometimes it doesn't matter how the sausage is made. It's just drink and and share with your friends and all the technical stuff. It's fun, but if it's good, it's good. I got to tell you, on the nose, though, the sort of honey, um, fig notes, nuttiness. All right, here we go. Hmm. I just love scotch, you know. Um, So underneath, you get that single malt flavor, uh, which people either love or hate. I get it. Um, But I I love all those sort of cereal notes. Those hints of like chamomile flour. This is like dark honey, too. 
you know, uh, my boss at the store where I work, he's a beekeeper. In the beginning of the season, sometimes we get like lighter honey and it looks more yellow. Sometimes at the end of the season, his bees produce a honey that is almost brown, like this really dark, dense, rich honey. That's what I'm getting here. Just sort of rich honey, lots of nutty notes. I don't know for sure, but I would guess 86 to 92 proof on this. Uh, I know it usually MSRP for around 100. But at the, in the state of scotch pricing right now, it could be a little bit more than that. Is it good? Yes, this is amazing. It's stylish. It's elegant. It's It makes me want to go light up a cigar like this is just everything. It's beautiful. Um, is it worth the money? Yeah, considering the price of scotch, if you can get this for 100 bucks, it's worth every penny of it. Does the bottle start a conversation? Yeah, Google the, the images of the bottle. The bottle is gorgeous, um, and it's definitely going to start a conversation on your bar. Is it a taster? Hell yeah, it's a taster. Is this a sipper? Without a doubt. Pour this in a, you know, uh, Glen Cairn or like the, the wider body kind of scotch Glen Cairn that I drink my scotch out of. Absolutely. Is this a drinker? This is where it becomes a drinker for me. My best friend Murph and I, when we get together, we crack a bottle and usually the night ends when that bottle is gone. So yes, this is a drinker that I'm going to share with a good friend or a couple of good friends. And we're not going to put the cork back in this bottle. This is beautiful. Thank you, Sean, for this just fantastic sample. All right. Yeah, I'm going to finish the rest of that vial. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Um, hopefully this satisfied because I know a lot of you have come by the store and gone like, hey, I haven't heard the podcast review of this or that. Um, I tried to get as much in as possible. I know it may be a little overindulgent to, you know, drink for an hour and a half, but I got it all out there. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it from there. Thank you guys again so much for being on this journey with me and for providing me with, you know, these great samples that, you know, just further my journey along. Uh, it means the absolute world to me. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to go out drinking the rest of this McAllen. Ah, so good. All right, guys. We'll uh, yeah, I'll chat with you guys soon. I'm going to cheers myself out here. Cheers, guys.